Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We do, as a lot of people do, emphasize the Bible here, but we do it in a little bit different way. Um, we believe that the Bible means what it says, that you take it literally unless something demands a figurative explanation. For example, when Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, we believe that Jesus meant exactly what he says. We don't try to explain that away and say, no, that doesn't mean you don't have to be baptized to be saved. It must mean something else. We just accept it for what it says. you got to believe and be baptized to be saved. We're not going to try to explain it away. We tr hopefully can do that with every passage. If you have a Bible question or comment, of course, you call us at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. I did a group text uh, several days ago about Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, and Nadab and Abihu offering strange fire and God being displeased with them for doing that. They were worshiping God in Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, but not the way he specified. And so I asked on my group text message, how do we know how to worship God today? And a friend responded that we should worship, quote, the way the Holy Spirit leads us. Now, I'm not 100% sure what my friend meant by that, but I think she meant that God's going to tell us directly through our feelings how he wants us to be worshipped. So when we come together for church or for worshiping at home, how do we know how to worship God? We're just going to feel. God's going to let us know through our feelings what to do. I think that's what she meant. But that's not the way God instructs us. Never has been the way. Let me read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 in this connection. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath, he, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Now, the main point of that passage is that God today speaks to us through the Son. But did you catch how he spoke to the fathers? The fathers here, since this is a book written to the Hebrew Christians, I think. The fathers would be the Jews throughout the centuries before Christ came. How did God speak to the Jews there? Did he speak to each, every individual saint of God in the Old Testament times directly? No, it said he spoke to the fathers through the prophets. So he didn't speak to every single child of God during Old Testament times. He spoke through the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. And of course, they wrote it down and it became the Old Testament. So they got God's will, not because God talked to them directly. I'm talking about the rank and file child of God in the Old, Test Old Testament times. They got it by reading and studying the Bible. You know, it worked the same way. It works the same way in the New Testament times. Ephesians 3, 3 through 4 reads this way. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as a road of four in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So it works the same way. Then and now, God doesn't speak to every single saint directly. Instead, he has always spoken through his representatives, the patriarchs, the prophets, the apostles. These prophets wrote down what God revealed to them in words, according to Ephesians 3, 3 and 4, and we get God's will for us by reading and studying that revelation. So God's not going to tell you how to worship him through your feelings or any other way through some small, still voice. He revealed through the New Testament prophets how to worship him in New Testament times, and he expects you to read that revelation in what we call the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So the Old Testament and New Testament prophets received God's law directly from God himself. And then they delivered it to us in the form of the Bible. That's how God speaks to us. Not through some direct kind of revelation like many believers claim. No, God's already given the direct revelation. Why does he need to keep repeating it over and over and over? For example, I mentioned Mark 16, 16 at the beginning of the program. He's revealed Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved in the book of Mark. And you've got it in your Bible. Why would he need to tell you directly? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved when it's written there in the Bible for plain sight for everybody to see. He wouldn't need to. He doesn't. He expects you to read and study the Bible to find out what to do to be saved. The New Testament in particular for us, how to worship God or how to live your everyday life. Now, the lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Our feelings are not reliable anyway. Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see that? This may seem right to us. We may be thinking, since this seems right to us, that may be God revealing to me how to do it. No. What seems right to us, the end thereof may be the ways of death. So it may not be the right way. Just because it seems right to you doesn't make it right. What makes it right is that it's authorized by the Scripture. Now, evidently, that is what Nadab and Abihu were using to determine how they should worship God in Leviticus 10, 1 through 2. Their feelings. Evidently, they felt like God wanted them to offer a particular kind of fire or incense to God, but obviously it was not what God instructed. If you think God is revealing to you directly today through your feelings or dreams or visions or emotions, what I want you to know is that such is going to lead to the same result as in Nadab's and Abihu's case. It's going to be displeasing to God. The way he reveals to you what he wants is through his word, the Bible, not directly to you, through your feelings, through some small, still voice in the back of your head or anything like that. You've got the Bible. Read and study it. That's God's will for everybody today. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. Ephesians 6.17, the second part of that verse reads this way. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. So the way the Holy Spirit reveals to us, the way the Holy Spirit leads us is through the Word of God. Before we had guns, the tool the soldier used to attack his enemy and defend himself was the sword. So when Ephesians 6.17 says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, it's saying the tool the Holy Spirit uses to convict and convert people is the Word of God. It's the Bible that he uses. He doesn't do it directly. He's not going to tell you God's will for you or God's will today directly that way. The, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's the tool of the Word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to reveal to you. It's through God's Word. You need to read and study God's Word, and you find out what God's will is. And that's why we have this, quote, Bible Crossfire radio program, so you can find out God's will through a study of the Word of God. You need to do that on your own, too, of course. Other passages help us to see this same thing. For example, the primary point of James 1.25, let me read that to you. 
Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. The primary point of that verse is that we should be a doer of God's work, not just a hearer. But where, where does the verse tell us to hear God's word from? Well, it is by looking into the perfect law of liberty, the New Testament, not by hearing God's word directly through a small, still voice, as I've mentioned, as some claim. Now, doesn't 2 Timothy 3 teach the same thing? It says, Scripture is profitable for doctrine. Not what we think. That's not what, what is profitable for doctrine. Or what someone claims the Holy Spirit told them directly. That's not what's profitable for doctrine. We learn the doctrine of Christ. And you have to abide in that to have God to be saved. Second John verse 9. We learn the doctrine of Christ through Scripture. God does not tell us what parking space to take at Walmart. He gives us his will through the word of God, the Bible. Romans 1.16 says, The gospel is the power of God and the salvation, not our feelings. Romans 10.17 says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not by some small, still voice in the back of our head. So if you want to know how to worship God today or how to please him in any area, in any way, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you directly. Instead, he has already told everybody the same thing about how to do that in the New Testament. Back to the Old Testament. The Israelites didn't learn God's will for them through direct revelation. Instead, it was by learning from the part of the Bible that existed at that time. Read Nehemiah 8, verses 5 and 8 and see that. Ezra read from the book of law, the book of the law, and gave the sense of it. God didn't reveal his will to each Israelite directly. There were thousands or millions of them, really. Instead, they read from the book of the law, the part of the Bible they had back then, and read and studied and found out God's will. It's the same for us today. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the truth of God that sets us free from sin, John 8, 32, is found in God's word. It's defined by God's word. That's where you find the truth. God's not going to reveal the truth to you directly. He's already done that through the prophets. He had the prophets write it down in words, Ephesians 3, 3, and 4, and he expects us to read and study that to find out what the truth is and then obey the truth. You know, there's another point we can make from Ephesians 3, 3, and 4 that I didn't make when I was reading before. And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Here's how Ephesians 3, 3, and 4 reads again. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as a road of four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Here's the other point I wanted to make from that passage. You know, you can understand the Bible by reading it, by reading and studying it. Most of it, they say, is written on sixth grade level. Now, there are some harder parts, like the book of Revelation. Uh, how about the last six chapters of Daniel? But for the most part, the Bible is written by God for you to understand. As I said, it's on a sixth grade level. That's what Paul said. He got the revelation from God. Everybody doesn't get the revelation. The apostles and New Testament prophets got it, the New Testament revelation. He wrote it down so that when we read it, we can understand it. We can understand it by reading it. It's not written in code is what I'm trying to say. You don't have to take the Bible to the president of your local theological seminary and get him to interpret it for you. You don't have to have the Pope to interpret it for you. You don't need any of that. You can read and study the Bible for yourself. I don't mean that having Bible teachers is a bad thing. No, but the Bible is our standard. 
It's not written in code. For example, you have history books in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are five history books in the New Testament. Those say things like, Jesus did this. Jesus said that. Jesus went here. Or Paul did this. Paul went there. Paul spoke here. There's nothing hard to understand about those things. They're just facts stated, and you just read it, and it means exactly what it says. Just like maybe when you were a teenager, maybe you had a girlfriend. You got a letter from your girlfriend, a love letter. You didn't have to take that to to your preacher to get her to, in, get, to get the preacher to interpret the letter from your girlfriend, did you? You could just read it and understand it. Well, if your girlfriend can write a letter that you can understand, don't you think God is smart enough that he can write a letter that we can understand? We don't have to have some expert theological person, you know, to interpret the Bible for us. It's not written in code. It's written so that the common everyday man can understand it. You can read it and understand it. Now, a lot of preachers want to lead you to the conclusion that you can't understand it by yourself because they want to lead you in your understanding so they can slip in their false teaching. Just read and study the Bible for yourself. You can understand it. And when you listen to others teach it, make sure that you're, that you're checking the Bible to make sure what they're saying is so. You know, Paul and Silas were preaching in Acts 17, verse 10. And verse 11 says, these were more noble, talking about the Bereans, than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So when they heard preaching, Bible teaching, uh, they didn't have to, uh, they, they didn't just accept what Paul said just because he was, quote, a big name preacher for his day or their, his, their favorite preacher. Instead, even though Paul was one of the prominent apostles, they didn't accept what he said blindly. The Bible highly compliments them in Acts 17 because they searched the scriptures to make sure what Paul and Silas were preaching was so. And that's what we need to do today. I encourage you to do it with me uh, on this program. I encourage you to do it when you go to church or when you hear somebody preach on TV. Wherever you hear it, do what the Bereans did and check the scriptures. Make sure what's being preached is so. Because, you know, God is the one that's right. And that's the Bible. Man can be wrong. Don't trust man. Make sure what he's teaching comes from the Bible. Hey, Wav from Connecticut, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, how's it going? It's Juice. How, how's it going, Patrick? Hey, Juice, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, um, so I heard that I could call in and ask questions. Well, yeah. I have a question for you, Patrick, and maybe you can help me understand um, the difference in in the in the Bible. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot of um, soul searching. And I've been getting into the biblical um, um, text, and I've been reading uh, upon um, the Bible. And um, I realized that when they speak of God in the Bible, they use the letter on um, the word God with a capital G and then O-D, um, lowercase. And then when they start speaking about Lord, they capitalize all the letters in the word Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized. And they'll use the word together with God as in Lord God. And then, you know, so my question is, what's the difference between Lord being capitalized as the word and G, um, God only being capitalized as the, with the G? In the Old Testament, when you see all caps, L-O-R-D, 
it's actually mm-hmm. got God's name there. It's talking about, they've substituted Lord in for God's name in the King James Version. God is more like a title. I guess it is a name, but it's more like a title. Lord has been substituted in for God's name. Okay? So okay. you're talking about the difference probably between a title and a name. Like president is normally thought of as a title, though you could use it as a name. You could say president and use it as a name, but it's normally thought of as a title. Biden is his name, or Trump is the name of the president. President is the title. God is the title. And then Lord is a word they've substituted in uh, in the Old Testament, in the King James Version, when you see God's name there. Okay? Right. So Does that okay, make sense? I read, um, yes, it kind of do make sense. Um, only I get confused because, um, like I said, I'm learning the Bible. I'm trying to learn myself. And um, when, I, when I read the, the uh, King James Version and... I'm in Genesis, right? When Cain is born, he says that she had um um Cain was she she was born she had born a man a man from the Lord or something yeah. in the um word. I can't Genesis four verse one. She's Genesis four one, she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Yes, from the Lord. So so she got a man from the Lord, and they used Lord all capitalized. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of confused of who they're talking about, who bared, um, you know, um, uh, who, who, how she had Cain. Is it from um, Adam or from Lord himself? You know? Not from Adam. She's talking about she got this man from God, that God gave her a son, okay? Adam is the father, but she got this man from God. That's who she's talking about. Now, let me ask you a question. Your name is Juice. Did I pronounce your name right, Juice? Yes, yes, sir. Let me ask you. You want to learn the Bible, and I do too. We're both interested in the Bible. I offer a free one-hour phone Bible study. Just sometime when it's convenient for you, we do a Bible study for one hour over the phone. Does that sound like something that might interest you? That be that actually will be cool to do, um, just because okay. I I do come with a lot of questions. Okay, so I'm gonna call you right after the program, and to try to figure out the best time for you and I to do a Bible study, say sometime next week. You know, I can do it. I have to work it in my schedule, but I can do it like morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll try to figure out a good time for you to have a one hour phone Bible study for free. Okay. Absolutely. Well, just just be ready for me because I come with a lot of questions. That that sounds good. That'll make it real interesting. Thanks for your call, Juice. So I, I would offer the same thing to any of our listeners. If you would like to study the Bible with me one-on-one, free of charge, over the phone. I mean, I might could do it face-to-face if you live near Huntsville, Alabama, but most likely we'll just do it by the phone since you're not going to live near enough to me, for me to do it, because this program goes all over the United States and Canada. You would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me. I want you to call or text me after the program. In about five or seven minutes, I'll give you that number to call or text so that you can ask for the free one-hour phone Bible study. We do it at your convenience. Appreciate that call from Juice. The lines are still wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give me a call at 
866-668-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment and you want to go on the air is 877-655-6755. And we've been talking about how God speaks to us today. And we've noted from Hebrews 1 that in the Old Testament, God spoke to the Israelites by the prophets, didn't speak to every individual Israelite. And in the New Testament, Paul, it was given, to, the revelation was given to Paul as one of the New Testament prophets or apostles. He wrote it down in words so that when we read it, we can understand it. So the same thing works today in regard to the New Testament prophets. God revealed to them Matthew through Revelation. And how do we get God's law for us today, his will for us today? We read the New Testament for us. That's what we do in order to find out God's will for us. God doesn't reveal to you directly. He expects you to read and study the Bible to find out his will. And he, as we mentioned from James 1.25, he doesn't want you just to be a hearer. You look into the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25. That's the word of God, to hear what God wants you to hear. And then when you hear it, he expects you to be a doer. We see that from a passage like Matthew 7.21. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So the only people going to heaven, according to Matthew 7, 21, are those that do. You've got to hear God's word. You don't hear it directly through a small, still voice in the back of your head. You hear it by reading and studying the Bible. He's already revealed his will through the New Testament prophets in the form of the New Testament. We read and study that to find out what we need to do to please God, what we have to do to be saved today. What, how does God want us to worship him today? Uh, how does God want us to live our everyday life today? That's where we go. We go to the Bible to find out God's will for us today. He doesn't reveal to John this particular thing and James something else. No, he reveals the same thing to everybody by doing it through the one written standard. It's like a ruler. Good illustration. We go to a steak place and we order a steak and it's supposed to be 12 inches long. And I say, it's, it's, it's only 10 inches long. And you say, no, it's 12 inches. We start discussing that. How can we figure out how, how long it is. We take a ruler, a standard of measurement, and we settle our argument there. We find out exactly how long that stake is by measuring it, right? <laughs> well, the Bible is the ruler for us, right? We, we're wanting to know what the right doctrine is. What about gay marriage? Or what about allowing women preachers? Or, or uh, how do you baptize folks? Is it supposed to be the sprinkling of babies or the immersion of believers? Well, how do you find out the right answers to those questions? You use God's ruler, the Bible, and it tells you the right answer is to be used for doctrine, okay? It's just that simple. You know, I have my favorite sport to watch is college football. Well, how, how do they know how to play football on Saturdays? Well, they follow the rule book. If you're not following the college football rule book, you're not really playing college football, are you? It's the same way with the Bible. The Bible is the rule book for Christianity. If somebody is saying they're practicing Christianity, but they're not really following the rule book, the Bible, then they're not really practicing Christianity. So people who are not following the rule book, let's say they allow gay marriage. Romans 1, 26 through 27 forbids that. Or they allow women preachers. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 is one passage that forbids that. Let me just read that. Don't want you to take my word for it. If you want to turn there, it's 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. 
If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. So we find out whether or not God wants women preachers by reading the Bible. You see, it's like it's the rule book. And if you're not following the rule book, if you're practicing sprinkling babies for baptism, when Acts 8, the eunuch wanted to be baptized, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, you understand from the Bible the right doctrine on that. You've got to believe first before you can be baptized. That rules out infant baptism. If you're not doing these things according to God's word, you're not following the rule book for Christianity. You're not really practicing Christianity. Let me mention again, if you'd like that free one-hour phone Bible study, one-on-one Bible study with me by the phone, if you would like to do that sometime at your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. If you want the free one-hour phone Bible study, your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Thanks for listening tonight. Be sure to listen same time next week.